Awesome. Guys, I am so excited uh, to be here with you tonight, and I am excited to talk to you uh, and, and uh, think with you about one of the most incredible stories that we find in all of Scripture, certainly in the Old Testament, the story of the life of a young man named Joseph. Uh, it was a gift for me to be able to take a whole class in graduate school on just the life of Joseph, all right? And I'm going to condense all of that into the next 20 minutes, all right? So get out your pads. We're ready to go. No, I'm not going to do that to you. But we are going to talk about a, a short episode in the life of Joseph that was deeply formative on while he was a young man on who he was going to become as God was working in his life and as he continued to walk by faith. Okay, does that sound good? We can do that together? You locked in? Here's the deal. Last week, Ben taught on Genesis 22 the story of God testing Abraham's faith and asking the question, Abraham, will you trust me with your future? everything about your future, right? Today we're jumping ahead to Abraham's great, one of his great grandsons, right? So I just want to do a quick flyover before we land right on Genesis 39. So if you have a Bible or if you need a Bible, you can open that up to Genesis chapter 39. The great thing about it is the first book in the Bible. So just find the 39th chapter of the first book in the Bible uh, and you'll get to his story. The story, though, that we're, the, the ground that we're going to cover tonight, from chapters 22 of Genesis to chapter 39 of Genesis, is a long stretch. And actually, if we carried out all the way of Joseph's life, we'd get to the very end of the book. So the life of Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, which is the scripture from Hebrews that we're going to look at briefly, is only two verses in Hebrews, but it's chapters 23 through 50 of Genesis, Okay. Which is why we're just going to zero in on one little spot. But let me tell you what's happened since uh, Abraham had this uh, encounter with God that we talked about last week. All right? Uh, First thing, here we got Abraham. Remember, he was married to Sarah. He actually had a mistress for a minute, Hagar. I'm not going to talk about that. That was a little bit of a mess. But Sarah has Isaac, right? We, We got that last week. Isaac grows up. He gets married to Rebecca. Rebecca has twin boys, Esau and Jacob. Uh, And the Lord decides that Jacob is going to be the one who carries forth the family's blessing and the blessing of God to the nations. Uh, Esau's not sure about that idea, but that's what God decides. So Jacob uh, is the one carrying on God's blessing, uh, even though he's the younger brother. Jacob wasn't really comfortable living into that call for a long portion of his life. And before he embraces that, Uh, He actually has a wrestling match with a servant of the Lord, and coming out of that wrestling match, not only is he injured, but the Lord gives him a new name. He will no longer be Jacob. You will be called Israel, so that you never forget what Israel means. God wins, (laughs) right? That's what his name becomes, God wins. So Jacob will never forget that in the wrestling match between him and God, God wins. That's an important carry-through for the rest of his life. But before Jacob embraced this new identity of uh, being the one by who would carry the name God wins, he actually ends up with 12 sons by four women. This one, Leah, and this one, Rachel, are his wife, are his wives. Zilpah and Belha are his um, mistresses. I'm not going to say anything else about that, except to recognize that if you have 12 sons by Two women who are your wives and two who are your mistresses, your family ain't going to be quite right. 
Okay? I mean, you think your family's got a little bit of a mess going on. You, you can identify with some of this. All right? It's a little bit of a mess. But God wins. That's the story. God wins. And in spite of all the brokenness in this family and in the lives of these people, God never stops. He never stops pursuing them and pursuing his purpose of carrying forth his redemption and blessing to the nations through this deeply broken, very human family. Here's what Hebrews 12 says about this family of Isaac, Jacob, and one of the sons of Jacob, Joseph. Would you please help me welcome Aaron Francis, who is going to share God's word with us tonight. Am I on? Okay. Hebrews 11, 20 through 22. It was by faith that Isaac promised future blessings to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, it was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, and he bowed his head in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was old and about to die, um, spoke confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt, and he even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Great job, Aaron. So just uh, as Aaron quoted those two verses from the book of Hebrews, as I mentioned, the stories that are encompassed in those two verses span 20 chapters 22 to 50 of the book of Genesis, right? Not going to cover all that. We just did a quick flyover, but let me tell you a little bit about this young man named Joseph, this fella right here. Joseph is Jacob's favorite son. He is the firstborn son of his favorite wife, that's this one right here. His father even gave him, um, when he turned 17 years old, an ornate robe, right? So not only is he the favorite son of Jacob, but he got a Technicolor dream coat. All right. Probably wasn't Technicolored, but it was ornate. And it was a clear indication to all of the other brothers, Jacob is the one who's going to receive the blessing. Jacob is the one who our father is going to give our business and our family's legacy. Now, those of you who have younger siblings, you can imagine how that might have gone with the older siblings if your uh, parents said, you know what, we're going to put on you today something, some kind of mantle. Maybe, it was, maybe it's a family heirloom, something that says you are the one who is going to carry on our family's blessing and legacy into the world. How many of you are older siblings? How many of y'all think that's an awesome idea? Yeah, exactly. So you can imagine Jacob's brothers were a little bit dissatisfied with this. But not only were they dissatisfied, they were jealous. And their jealousy turned into resentment. And resentment, when it had time to ferment, does what it always does. It turned to hate. And hate, when it goes on too long, unconfessed, turns to violence. And so Jacob's brothers, uh, 10 out of the 12, he has one younger brother, Benjamin, who's too young for this conversation. 
They surround him in a field far from home. They take that coat right off of him. They tear it. They beat him. They throw him in an empty well, and then they sell him as a slave. And he is shipped down to Egypt, far from home, far from the promise. And we don't know, the scriptures don't tell us how Jacob felt, what he thought when all of this happened. But here's what the scriptures do tell us about Jacob's journey. Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, the Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, his captain of the guard, brought, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. But the Lord, the Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered even as he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him, that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in, the eyes, uh, in his eyes and became his personal attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his entire household. He entrusted to his care everything that he owned, even from the time he put Joseph in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian, because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on Potiphar and everything he had, both in his house and in his field, so that Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built, handsome. After a while, his master's wife She took notice, and she said, come to bed with me. Some of y'all just started paying attention. (laughs) But he refused. He told her, with me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. There's no one greater in this house than I am, and my master has withheld nothing from me except you, Because you're his wife. How can I do this wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her and even be with her. But one day, he went into the house. To attend to his duties, uh, none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. And when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and run out of the house, she called the household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. And she kept the cloak beside her until the master came home. Then she said to him, this story, that Hebrew slave that you brought to us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. Now when his master heard the story that his wife told him, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. 
Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the prison where the king's captives are kept. But while Joseph was in prison, the Lord was with him, showed him favor and kindness, or showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those who were held in the prison. He was made responsible for all that was done there, and the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Brothers and sisters, the word of the Lord. Man, it's easy for us to say that. I wonder what Joseph was saying to God when all this was going on. When at 17 years old, he was sent, went from heir to the family's future in business to a slave with no future. I wonder what he was saying to God when he labored for, for probably several years under the rule of the Egyptian as he was, the Lord was still blessing him and he was working his way up through the ranks from field slave to somehow being the, the keeper of the whole house. And here Joseph is somewhere in his early 20s probably, about your age. Is he angry? Is he hurt? Is he sad? Is he afraid? We're not told in Scripture how Joseph was feeling about this, but what would be going on in your mind? If tomorrow your family snatched you up sold you as a slave, shipped you down to Mexico to be sold at auction to the highest bidder. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to three people around you. It's going to take a little courage. Okay, you may not know those people. It's okay. Just try it. It's fun. Just turn to three people around you. So you and three other people, just say one thing. What would you be feeling? One word of emotion. What would you be feeling? If you were in Joseph's shoes. All right? One minute. Ready? Set? Go. All right, I said just one minute. Bring it back. Give me some things. What are some things? What are you feeling? Say it again. Terrified. Devastated. Pissed. Absolutely. What else? Abandoned. Betrayed. Sad. What was that? Unloved. Used or abused. I'm not sure which one it was, but both are true. Confused. All kinds of oozed. Lots of oozing. Man. This is a terrible situation, right? I mean, I love VeggieTales, but little Joe has nothing on the real story. Sold as a slave. So here's Joseph. Joseph back home with his dad, heir apparent, beloved, 
assigned, commissioned with a purpose. Days later, slave, harassed, imprisoned. That's how Joseph spent his 20s. And we could spend a whole semester, again, I did in grad school, going through the various ways of how Joseph walked by faith in the midst of this terrible situation. But tonight, let me just make three observations from this story about what it means to walk by faith when you're in very difficult circumstances. Okay? When you walk by faith, pain will be a part of your journey. If it's not, if it's not there yet for you, it will be. This is not a question of if. This is a when and how when it comes to walking by faith. The story of God's people living by faith in a sinful world is a story of people who are on a journey that is marked with significant moments of pain and suffering on that journey. There is no greater example of this than our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you, you don't want to take my word for it, I'd say put it to the test. Go read the stories. Read the stories of all these characters in Scripture and you will find over and over and over and over again on their journey of faith as they follow God, the journey will have pain. It will have suffering as you walk down this road. So when you enter that season, and maybe for some of you, you're already there. When you enter that season where pain is a significant part of your journey. First note from our story that it's not necessarily because you've done something completely wrong. Out of all of these guys, Joseph is the one that's innocent. And yet Joseph is the one who is suffering. It could be that there's some specific sin in your life that is causing you to walk through this very difficult season, but not necessarily. And so if you are walking through a season right now, or when you get to that season, when you are walking through pain, and there's no direct reason that you've caused to bring that about, pay attention. Because you may be right where you need to be. Maybe the Lord has brought you to that place with a purpose. Now look, I know that this does not jive with the idea that is floating around in a, for a lot of us that God's purpose for our lives is to make us happy, to give us the good life as we define it. But in Scripture, God's purpose for our life is to make us holy. Happiness is part of the journey, but it's not the destination. Just like sadness is part of the journey, but it's not the destination. God's purpose for us is to make us holy. So when God brings you to that season where pain is a part of your journey, don't run away from it. Don't try to avoid it. Because walking by faith with God in pain, in confusion, in anger, because Walk in that space with him, because if you will, God is going to use that to make you holy. And if you will walk by faith with God in a season of suffering, you are going to see 
and experience God in ways that you never would have if you ran away when he brought you to that place. I guarantee that. Over and over again in scripture, we see it. And I know from my own life that this is true. I I could tell you the story of my journey, but I don't want to keep you here too long tonight. So let me just tell you one snippet briefly. When I was coming to the end of my college career, and I was looking into the future, I had all kinds of big dreams, big ambitions. This is what I'm going to do for and with the Lord. And then I entered into a season, a five-year season, when most of the people I loved either died or they got debilitating uh, sicknesses and difficulties in their life. That was an absolutely terrible season. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. Because as I walked with God by faith through that season, I saw God in ways I would never have imagined. And I experienced God's grace and his power in ways I couldn't have even dreamed. And I saw him use me in ways that were way beyond my capacity. If you'll take the journey with God, the walk by faith through the, through the season of pain, God will bring you into a place where he is going to reveal himself to you in ways you can't possibly imagine. It's the first thing we see from the life of Joseph in this very short snippet of his life. The second thing we see from Joseph's life that we'll just take note of tonight is when you walk with God by faith, not only is pain a part of the journey, so is temptation. This sounds great, doesn't it? Man, sign me up for the walk of faith. It's not a when. It's not an if, it's a when. And it usually comes when you are the most vulnerable. For Joseph, it came in the form of his master's wife propositioning him for sex. Again, some of you just tuned back in. Joseph was well built and a handsome man, and after a while, his master's wife took notice. And she said to Joseph, come to bed with me. And understand that if the picture you have in your head of the wife of the captain of the guard is kind of some feisty, old, cougar, desperate housewife, no. Donald Trump didn't come up with the idea of trading in your older wife for a newer model every few years. Powerful men have been doing this for generations, right? This is not old, or this is a really old idea. So if you think about Potiphar's wife, get the idea of an old desperate housewife out of your head. Think about a smoking hot supermodel of a wife. Every day, smoking hot supermodel Egyptian lady walks up to Joseph and says... Hey, big boy. Why don't you come over here? Something I want to show you. When we walk by faith, temptation is always a part of the journey. And it usually comes when we're most vulnerable. It certainly did for Joseph. 
He does his best to avoid her. He says, not only will he not sleep with her, he won't even be around her, but the trap is set. One day he shows up to do, go about his business. Nobody else is in the house. Do you think that's an accident? No. Nobody else is in the house. And she sneaks up behind him. She grabs him. Sleep with me. And he throws off his coat and he runs out of the house, which is pretty remarkable considering how much a sexual temptation that most of us who are in the 18 to 24 category struggle with on a daily basis. Probably lots of you guys out there are amazed and maybe a little bit jealous of Joseph right now because most of us would probably fall heavy under the weight of that kind of temptation if a very attractive, powerful individual was pursuing us every day directly. Sleep with me. Because the truth is, many of us are voluntarily walking into a den of sexual temptation on a regular basis on the internet. Isn't it? I mean, if statistics are to be believed then in this room, almost half the guys and 20% of all the girls are regularly looking at porn. Most of us don't want it in our lives. Most of us desperately want this temptation out of our lives. I'll never do it again. But then you get tired. You get lonely. You get hurt. And you're vulnerable. And that old familiar temptation shows up again. And you just start surfing through the phone. And then the cycle's already started. And you know where you end up next. Most of us don't have the resolve that Joseph did. Especially when it comes to sexual temptation. I know I didn't when I was your age. And I don't think that I'm unique. Which is why the last thing I want to mention, the third observation about this story, is so absolutely critical for those of us who are not only walking in the pain, but also carrying the backpack of guilt from temptation struggle that we've had on this journey of faith. And here's the last thing to take note of. The Lord was with Joseph. Right there. In the tragic mess of his life, the Lord was with Joseph. When he was heir to the family's blessing and future, the Lord was with Joseph. When his brothers beat him and sold him as a slave, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success. When he was enticed daily by a beautiful woman, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him resolve. When he was wrongly accused and in prison, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him favor. Later, when Pharaoh needed a specific skill that Joseph just so happened to have, the Lord was with Joseph and he brought him out of prison. When Egypt was facing an economic crisis and they needed someone to manage it, the Lord was with Joseph and he became the new secretary of state of the entire nation of Egypt. When his brothers who had betrayed him come groveling to him because they are about to starve, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him the capacity to forgive them. And when Joseph is coming to the end of his life, 
he was able to say to his brothers, what you intended to hurt me, God intended for good. So that salvation will be brought to many. In all of these circumstances, the Lord was with Joseph and continued to be faithful to that same promise he made to Abraham's family all those years ago that he would bless them, that they would be a blessing to the nations. And many, many years later, there's one other Joseph that shows up in Scripture. Well, there's a few others. There's only one I'm going to talk about. One that's really significant. He had a son in less than ideal circumstances, born in a sheep's pen. But still, his name would mean the Lord saves. And though Herod and Pontius Pilate intended to hurt him, God intended it for good, for the salvation of many. You know who I'm talking about, right? Friends, the blessing that we have received through our Lord Jesus Christ, even greater than the blessing that Joseph received. Because while the Lord was with Joseph, that is, standing alongside of him in all of this mess, the promise of those who are in Jesus Christ is that the Lord is not just with us, standing next to us, but in us, present in all times, all places, in us, working out our salvation in us, transforming us from the inside out, making us holy, calling us his own. And because of that, our salvation does not rest on our capacity to give resistance to temptation or the capacity of our own strength to be able to march along through pain. Our power Our story comes from Jesus' resistance to temptation, from his capacity to carry us through to bring salvation to us and to many. The book of Hebrews actually, uh, the writer of Hebrews actually reflects on this in chapter 4. I want you to see that. This is what he says. He says, we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, So let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. We have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. So let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. I'm excited to tell you guys tonight about a new initiative that you're going to hear about a little bit later that Campus Ministry is doing in order for those of you that are struggling with sexual temptation especially to find grace to help in your time of need. But know this for sure. When you walk by faith, pain, temptation, they will be on the journey If you haven't met them yet, you're going to meet them soon. But Christ is in you. Christ is for you. Christ is behind you. Christ is underneath you. Christ is above you. Christ is beside you. He has already won the victory. So we walk with this 
blessing from the Lord. And in this courage, Hebrews 12, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us, the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance that race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, your word always comes to us with grace, but sometimes your grace cuts us so that we can be healed. And so, God, for those of us uh, that are here tonight for whom the thought of the temptations, especially sexual temptations, is cutting us at our heart, we pray that you would pour in the healing power of your Holy Spirit, that you would answer that longing to be free from this temptation and that you would give us the power to be free and give us the steps to take to walk in freedom and holiness. And for those of us, God, that are walking tonight in pain and are just struggling to take another step, we pray, Lord Jesus, in us, under us, above us, beside us, all around us, give us the strength to walk forward. Give us the trust. Give us the trust to know that when you bring us through the season of pain, it is because blessing is on the other side. In all this, Lord, we pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done right in us and all around us, just as in is in heaven. We pray this in the powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people say together, amen.